Hey there, Doug here. Happy Halloween week. This week's bonus interview is with someone from the horror genre, uh, Peter Dukes, writer, director, producer. He is known by a lot of folks in Hollywood for his short films, but more recently, he has had the opportunity to do a big budget movie. He wrote it and directed it, and it's a funny story behind it because he said, I want to get something made. I want to get something that a big studio will pick up and... He was able to do it, and not a lot of people, I'm sure, can say that and follow through with it. And then right after that, he's directing Skeet Ulrich and Sean Young. So it was pretty cool, the story that he talks about when it comes to that. And we just talked about horror. It was really cool talking about sequels and how horror genre fits into that whole mold, how movies can change over time. Oh, yeah, and don't forget to check out Peter's new movie, Portal, I'll put the links where you can buy and rent it and also the trailer into the notes. It looks really cool, has a great cast, so don't forget to check that out. And don't forget Thursday on Halloween, we are discussing Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. And we have a special guest, uh, my buddy Chris Egan. He writes movie reviews and comic reviews for Multiverse Comics, so... uh, Yeah, don't forget to check us out when it comes to that. Now, enjoy the great Peter Dukes. Yeah, well, it's fun to talk to people, like hearing different stories uh, from different actors, people behind the scenes, writers. Uh, It's really cool to see their take on it because I've loved movies my whole life. And it's really fun in the last six, seven months, the the people I've been able to talk to have been a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, so so where's your story begin? Where'd you grow up? Uh, yeah, I grew up in, uh, I've been around, I grew, I was born in Texas, grew up in New Hampshire. Oh, sweet. Uh, sp- yeah, spent a lot, several more years live, living in uh, Colorado. And then eventually after college, made, made the jump to uh, LA and uh, here I remain, <laughs> plug it away. Where did, when did you get the itch to be in the film industry? Was it first like the writing aspect or? Uh, honestly, the itch was was early on well before I, I i started really delving into writing and producing and directing much it sounds you know much like you you loved uh, movies when you were a kid i was the same i loved movies i loved uh writing stories drawing stories making little home videos all of it it just was a natural fit for me it was just you know it was it was it was predestined if you will i always kind of knew i wanted to do it and as i got older obviously i made the decision to go to film school and, um, and, you know, major in, in, um, in fine arts and in the film industry. And one thing just kind of naturally led to another and, and, uh, and carried me out here. That's awesome. Did you ever use one of your ideas with like, cause me and my buddies did that too. Like we would make like little horror movies or like just things like that. Like just with like a old crappy, like video camera. Did you ever take any of those ideas you had younger and like in what, in some of the shorts that you did? Were any of them ever inspired by that? I don't remember specifically if they were inspired by that, but all the morsels were there. I mean, I was making all kinds of short films, and um, I, I really do enjoy a lot of different genres, but, but I, I, I've long had a soft spot for horror and fantasy, and so I started to kind of you know, delve into those. After one or two shorts, I really dove hard into those kind of genre pictures. And, um, you know, I don't think they specifically, again, were, were based on any, you know, 
shorts I did as a kid, but but the elements were there. A lot of the themes kind of carried through several of those, those pieces from, from when I was younger and the kind of things that interested me. And, and um, what I actually did do is a lot of the short films I made, I um, took those ideas and carried them onward into features. I expanded them into feature concepts and feature screenplays and and um, trying to get them um, pushed through at a higher level. And, and some of those are coming together. So that's, that, that's cool to see. That's exciting. And now what was like the early horror movie that you saw as a kid that you, that you really enjoyed or one that like stuck out to you at a young age? Oh gosh, a lot of them. I, you know, my, my love of horror kind of runs the gamut. I, I'm a big fan of kind of classic horror, like universal monster movies oh yeah uh, horror movies that were back in the silent period like vampire and mad love and a couple of those um and then you know i you know but i also loved you know more modernist uh mainstream types of horror that came around in the 80s i loved you know um uh, lost boys you know i loved poltergeist i loved jaws of course uh in the 70s and and um gosh, I I loved uh Let the Right One In. I oh, love yeah. I mean I could go I could go on and on. They're all such different films. But I, I mean the earliest horror movie I can actually remember wasn't specifically a horror uh centric picture. It was a it was a action disaster flick from the seventies. It was it was in that trend of, of disaster flicks back then and it was the Poseidon Adventure. And oh, okay. I, I saw that at a very young age. And again, it wasn't strictly a horror picture, but it horrified me. <laughs> and uh, and I couldn't define as a kid why. And, and then it came to me later on it just how um, atmospheric it was. It was very creepy and uh, almost surreal. And uh, I, anyway, it was a very scary picture to me. And, and, and it planted seeds in me early on. That's what I wanted. That's what I would aspire to do is, is really put an emphasis on atmosphere and the world you're building and, and really committing to it and, and building this world that you can really pull people into. So I, there's a, you know, God knows how many movie horror movies I've, I've enjoyed in my time. And actually horror literature was another big inspiration of mine, but the earliest horror picture I can remember um, would have to be the Poseidon adventure. That one, that one really, that one, that one hit me strong when I was a kid. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I saw Nightmare on Elm Street when I was way too young. I was born in 86 and my neighbors were older and uh, I was over there probably like four or five years old and it's not like it is nowadays and I remember watching that and I was totally, like absolutely freaked out. <laughs> yeah, that, that that one, if you're not ready for it. Yeah, I think I saw that one young too, through an uncle. He was the one yeah. that showed us the <laughs> movies we couldn't see anywhere else, right? And it's like, you know... Yeah, that one took it to a whole new level. Boy, it was clever. I actually saw that again recently, maybe about six months ago, something like that. And I'm like, you know, it still holds up. It's a oh, very yeah. clever movie. It's it's not, um, you know, it's kind of a different beast than what the franchise would eventually uh, uh, become. It was it, it worked really great as a standalone picture, really. And it, it was, um, I'd forgotten how clever it was. I was like, this is really well done. You know, you kind of can get caught up in the, in the canon of Freddy Krueger. But if you watch it again, you're like, this was, he was a really dark character, especially oh, early on. He was, <laughs> it was really good. It's weird. Yeah, how it went, sure. It's weird how it went that way. I'm sure it's kind of like a Friday the 13th ish, 
uh, like having different directors and different writers. Because if you look at the first one, like you said, it's just so scary and so violent. And then it gets into he's like a superhero in one of the guy's dream and killing him. And yeah. It's really bizarre. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you have to keep the franchise going, it's it, often it naturally goes that way. It, yeah. it, pretty soon, he became a comic relief in his own movies. It's very oh, interesting yeah. to watch. And he's great. And I think that like, happens a lot. That. Yeah, for sure. And then, listen, it happens everywhere. In Jurassic Park, the T-Rex eventually becomes like kind of a good guy. And then the Raptors <laughs> kind of become the good guy. It's weird, right? It just kind of happens in movies. Like They realize these characters become so popular. They're like, all right, well, I guess we can't have them too dark anymore too disturbing i don't know it's an interest. it's an interesting deal oh no definitely so no the reason i mentioned that is because looking at your imdb and i saw some upcoming movies that the one that you wrote portal and nancy for my nightmare on elm street's in that yeah heather Langenkamp. yeah that's that's so good that's yeah. pretty cool yeah no that is cool that's, that's <laughs> still I, I i'm still early uh, my my feature career, I've been doing shorts forever, but my feature career is only a few years old. And so it's still, you know, I wouldn't say starstruck. Um, you know, you work with these people a bunch and it just becomes, they're just people working like anybody else. But I'm still early enough, I'm early enough on where it's like, it's still really cool, to, you know, to get people uh, into your films and, and to have them reading dialogue that you've written or direct them in a scene that you're like, God, you know, it's like you grew up on these people. It's really, it's interesting. It, it, it's a good time. I know when I talk to people, like I've talked to, I talked to William Sadler, who is in Die oh, Hard too. Yeah. So first of all, the fact that he, within like a, an hour, his agent, she was so sweet to like forward my email over. I talked to him the next day. He was the nicest guy. And uh, yeah. yeah, he loved the role of death in Bill and Ted, which is like fascinating because he's had all these like really wild and different characters, but he loves being funny. He started as a stand-up comedian and when he was a teenager, which is like kind of oh, yeah. wild. Well, and he's versatile too. I'm a big oh, yeah. fan of his. I, I, I'd yeah. love to work with him sometime. And I'm not surprised that he got back to you. Some actors out there are very accessible. They're just good folks. Like they're just like, sure, I'll come on. I'll talk to you guys. No problem. Like I, I'm not surprised by that one bit. Yeah. Now he had some cool stories too about it, but uh, yeah. So, so you mentioned like, you wrote like having these actors, you know, you're getting used to it because you're working with these people and it's only going to get bigger and bigger. So when you write like escape room, did you have an escape room like experience? Did you do one of those? Like another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Check planning for what's next and how to save for it. That's where bank of America can help for your financial to do's bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Because that's been like a trend probably probably a while now. Yeah, and I and it was an interesting one. I was, I was at a point in my career where I was like, okay, I, I got to kick it up to the next level. I'm getting older. I need to start making some power plays here. I need to make some moves. And so I'd written a lot of bold screenplays before, very atmospheric and, and, and whatnot that would get optioned a lot. But not a lot of investors would sign on to them or they'd get cold feet. And I was like, okay, I'm going to, for the first time in my life, I'm going to specifically write a screenplay 
to be sold. And of course you write them all to be sold, but I'm going to write the most marketable thing <laughs> that I can. Yeah. It's still something I can be proud of, but I'm going to hit all the beats. I'm going to find what's trending. I'm going to give them everything they want. Something that's easy to produce. It's cheap, a good hook. We can get a cast for, you know, for very little money. Like I'm, I'm going to give them everything they want. And I did that for the first time and my script immediately sold like the fastest ever. And I was like, maybe there's like a lesson to be learned here. Like, you know what I mean? Like you got, if you're going to be in the, in this business, it's the business. You got to kind of give the people what they want. And that, that includes the investors and the producers. Cause you know, in the million dollar and underworld, you're generally dealing with private investors, yeah. not wall street, not the big studio system. So these guys, um, you know, want to be in the film business and that's why they're investing in these pictures, but they're, you know, they don't want to mess around with their money. They want to take some safe bets. And so they like, movies that are easily marketable and, and have a good chance of making their money back. And so, you know, that's what I put together. I said, I'm going to find something that's kind of blowing up right now. And I, I, I chose escape rooms before there were like 15 of those movies coming out. <laughs> you know, like mine was the first one called escape room. And um, there've been movies like cube and whatnot before, but nothing specifically around the escape world attraction. Yeah. And even as early as pre-production, we knew there was another movie, exact same name, that was um, that was going to get made, and then I heard I, and I had read that Sony had uh, bought a pitch from someone. They were going to do another one called Escape Room. So I knew we had a limited window to get ours out before it was just getting mixed up with all these other movies that had the yeah. exact same name. So so it was a bit of a race against the clock. But you know, I mean, I have I, I enjoy Escape Rooms. I'm not you know uh, an obsessant over them or anything, but I knew that they were at least in Los Angeles and especially around Halloween, they were popping up everywhere and people got a real kick out of them. I was like, well, there's a story to be told here. I'm sure I'm going to find it. I'm going to, uh, you know, package it and get it together and put it out there. And, you know, that's what a lot of these guys are looking for. They're looking for something scripts that are coming in that are timely, that are relevant, that, uh, in this particular case is just a, you know, a tight lean genre picture that can be sold easily. And indeed it was sold easily go to markets overseas and there's a lot of countries just looking for it you know it's just not a massive expenditure on their part and it's almost guaranteed to make its money so it's like you know that was the entire design of that picture something fun and that the audience would get a kick out of but that the audience but that the financiers and the producers would go you know why wouldn't we produce this you know what i mean like (laughs) let's just take it on so i don't know if i'll always go that far there's a part of me that's always fighting to make those scripts um, that I've also written that are very just unique, something that offers, you know, a different angle or turns a genre on its head, that kind of stuff. I still want to do that. I think it's just going to be a, like with most filmmakers, it's just a balancing act, you know, I, without going too far into marketable versus non-marketable, like, you know, find that fine line and, and you know, make something really interesting. Yeah, it's even with some actors sometimes and they like love a movie that they want to get done. I think the whole story with like Sandra Bullock she like really wanted to get hope float uh, the movie hope floats made. So she agreed to do speed two. So <laughs> like, I guess. Oh, it yeah. Happened. Yeah. So yeah, it happens. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's, but... <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of stories like that. There's a lot of stories like that of, of coming back. I mean, I'd mentioned jaws earlier. There's a whole story and a lot of stories actually about what happened with, uh, 
Roy Scheider in, in Jaws 2 and how that came about and how that script was originally going to be something totally different and really? all these type of things. And he had basically taken on Jaws 2, which he did not want to do. It was in his contract, so right? Wasn't it? There wasn't he like... was contracted. It was something weird. Like he had, he was contracted for like three movies and he didn't want to fulfill all that for whatever reason. I don't remember why. And eventually it came down to, okay, okay, okay. I'll do Jaws 2. But after this, like this, this releases me from my contract or whatever it was. It was one of those deals. And, you know, I mean, Jaws 2 is not in any way a bad movie. It's just not Jaws 1. You know, I mean, Jaws, there's only so many movies that can just kind of the magic works. It all comes together and kind of reaches this iconic status. And that's not Jaws 2. It's a fun movie, but it's not that. So I don't think it actually was too hard for him to do. I think he probably had a good time doing it, but you know, back going around your original point, I mean, those, the town is, is rife with stories like, yeah. <laughs> like that through the decades. It's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and we talked about it before the way franchises, like even jaws is kind of like, it is horror, but by the fourth one, the, the shark is following them. He like knows where they're going to be, which is like bizarre. Well, it got, it got you know it's like anything else it's like it's not designed to be a franchise it's based yeah. off that book even however loosely it's based off the book and it's a really great movie still holds up but you're like you're involved it's about this shark right I'm like how can you possibly build a franchise so at some point i guess it's the shark's family members are pissed at these guys now they're <laughs> yeah. tracking them down to the caribbean and it's like yeah. it gets really it really starts to get stretched pretty thin yeah, pretty thin. So, so going back to Escape Room. So you had the script; it was sold. Was it already part of when you're like pitching that to investors and people that are going to back the movie? Are you saying like at that point, like, hey, I want to direct it? Yeah, I took. Um, you know, I've directed a lot of short films, and I've done very well doing that. But it's tricky to jump into directing features. Um, I've talked about this issue a lot over time with with other filmmakers who are coming up and are, are trying to do the same thing and they're looking for advice and that kind of stuff. But a lot of these guys, not all of them, but a lot of them, you know, have a small pool of directors they like to work with, or they really want to work with someone who who's directed a theatrically released film, or at least a film with, with solid talent to it. Someone who can handle it. Someone they make them feel better. I mean, they're investors and they want to make a safe bet, which is understandable, but everyone's got to start somewhere. I didn't have that. I had a lot of great short films, which they loved, but they'd say, listen, it's just not going to happen. And we hope you understand. And I go, I get it. I mean, I understand. It's like a catch 22. So, you know, I wrote Escape Room with no immediate um, intent to direct it. It wasn't exactly my type of horror. I'd written it to be a really marketable film, but it wasn't exactly, it wasn't like the horror films I'd done before. But what happened was, as I recognized early on, you know, it's going to be my best shot to get a feature under my belt. And if I can get a feature under my belt, this will get me into other conversations down the road. It will give me a little more leverage. So I said, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I've decided at this point I'm going to direct this thing. So um, I found some producers who really loved it, which is what I was looking for. I want them to love it so much that it puts me in a position where I can go, listen, you can have this script, but it comes with me attached to direct. If that doesn't work for you, I'll take it somewhere else. You know, that kind of leverage, that kind of, situation was what i was trying to engineer and with escape room it panned out the original producer there were several on board by the time it was made but the original producer who found it wanted to direct it and i told him it's, it's got to be me and luckily he went um okay that works he kind of thought about it and went that that's fine we'll go that way 
and, um, and, and, and it worked out. So that's just, you know, like anything else, like my career, like a lot of filmmakers careers out there, it's like a, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. And, and, and in addition to that, it's like a long marathon of chess. Like it's, you're just making these little plays along the way, these little tactical moves, trying to put the pieces together to move your career from, you know, one step to the next and then the next and then the next. And, you know, that's, that's, in a nutshell, what my entire career has been, it's been, you know, like a, like a long form plan that is broken down into these little increments of what do I need to do here versus here. And at any rate, escape room was a small part of that plan. And, um, you know, it, it, it worked out the way I needed it to. And, and, you know, we're hopefully, uh, up to bigger and better things after that. That's awesome. How was it working with like Skeet Ulrich and Sean Young? It was, uh, very interesting. That was my first time. You know, again, I've been directing shorts for like, I don't even know, 10, 15 years, whatever it was. So that was my first experience being on a full feature with entire departments, you know, at my disposal, waiting for me to tell them what to do. And then the cast comes onto set and they're waiting, looking at you to kind of walk them through the process and to do the whole thing. And I, I, it was an interesting experience to me and being able to work with these guys was a little bit surreal. That was my first time working with like, Oh my God, it's like Skeet Ulrich. Here he yeah. is. Let's get to work. Right. No, um, Skeet Ulrich really impressed me, but he impressed me as early as, um, you know, our first meetings when we sat down to talk about the script and to see if he wanted to do it and all that kind of stuff. He was really down to earth, very dedicated, very studious. I mean, a lot of actors will come in, they'll take their, pay, their paycheck, kind of phone it in and get out of there after a few days. Um, he read the script. I mean, he really read the script because he would ask me a lot of tough questions in the best of ways. Um, and he would catch things. I'd be like, you're absolutely right. This kind of alters this character's motivation. It's kind of this key moment of the script and whatnot. He really delved in and did his due diligence, um, which I appreciated. And when he showed up, you know, during production to do his scenes, he was on time. He was cool. He never complained. He knew his lines. He, I don't even know if he flubbed more than one line the entire time he was shooting, Um, nailed his blocking, um, was polite. um, You know, like all the things you once want to do, he treated it like the actors that I appreciate the most. They recognize that this is a job, you know, it's a dream to be able to make films. It is a dream, but at the end of the day, like, you know, it's a lot of work. So I appreciate the crew and the cast that show up. And he's like, I'm going to treat this like a job. And he worked hard. And um, it was just a really pleasant experience. Um, Sean Young, I only actually worked with for one day. Oh, okay. And um, she was interesting. You know what I mean? Like was, every actor yeah. you deal with, it, it, the interaction's a little bit different. And um, she was definitely more challenging to me uh, than a lot of other talent I'd worked with. And I don't necessarily mean that in, in a bad way, but it was, uh, it was definitely the type of day where I had to adjust my directing style and kind of adjust what I needed to, to make sure we get the footage we needed. And, you know, and it was, it was challenging, but I like those type of challenges. And, and you know, I, I had some good talks with her and it was a very nice woman and everything. And, you know, it, uh, all these experiences that I've had on set with escape room and with other productions and with newer productions coming up, you know, in a, in a weird way, the more challenging it is, the better it is for you because it makes you stronger on the other end. You'll learn more for, from it. And um, Escape Room had a lot of situations like that, challenging situations that I had never dealt with before. And I've dealt with a lot of situations. 
where I had to be like, okay, I got to figure out how to deal with this and, and get the job done. And the more of those you have, you know, as, as much as they might at times turn your hair white, <laughs> you know, or, or make you age a little faster, they really are pretty good for you. I mean, they strengthen your skills, you know, and, and so I always appreciate all of those. That's awesome. So what are you working on right now? A lot. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, I mean, yeah, what's weird, a lot and nothing all the same time. That's how the film business is often. I bet. And what I mean by that is I have like, I don't even know, four or five, technically even kind of six features in development. And they're at different levels of development. Some are very early on. Um, some are in pre-production. One uh, portal, which you've mentioned before, is releasing soon, though I don't have details yet. I know it's, it's going to be close. Um, others are, you know, they're technically in development, but they've been in development for like four years. They're all real projects. They've got real people on board and they're coming together, but you never really know until you literally start shooting. If any of them are going to actually come to fruition and become a reality. So I've got a lot going on, but I don't actually know how many of them will reach the finish line. Well, you just kind of have to wait to see. And that's one of the reasons why I'm always going out there and working on new projects. I never kind of put every you know, egg in one basket. So I'll have these features in development and I'll, then I'll go out and, you know, write a new spec and put that out on town or I'll go out there and I'll find a project in development that's in need of a writer or a director and I'll hop on board one of those with the script I really respond to. So yeah, I've got um, several features coming up, um, several horror to no surprise. Yeah. Um, one big fantasy adventure that's kind of like, Kind of like a never-ending story for today's generation. Oh, cool! Which would, yeah, which would mean a lot to me because I, I love those fantasy films of the '80s. I've got another big uh, comedy fantasy that's kind of on the fast track up at the studio level, which will be a game changer for me if it goes through. That's what oh, I'm kind wow. of banking on right now. So I've got big and small. It's kind of all over the place that I'm juggling and. I'm uh, even as recently as yesterday, I was taking meetings and phone calls on even more projects or at least the potential for more projects. So it's, it's, it's all good. You got, you got to stay busy in this town. The carousel never stops. You always got to stay proactive and just stay after it. Yeah. I talked to, you mentioned Poltergeist before it's a movie that you watch. I uh, talked to one of the writers of that, Michael Grace, and he was really cool because I mentioned, I was like, Oh, so the last movie that you had uh, developed, I I forgot what movie it was. Oh, cool world. I think was the last movie that he had. Oh yeah. Yeah. But when I, uh, so I asked him that, he's like, no, but I'm, he's like, I'm working every day. <laughs> he's like, I'm working. Oh, every yeah. day. I'm just trying to get something going. But uh, now he was really interested. Yeah. No, that was, I learned that early on when I came out here and uh, I found it to be very interesting and very enlightening really. And um, what that was is I got a job at a literary agency that represented writers and directors in film and television and whatnot. And that was my first experience being like, okay, well, here's an agent, you know, we were, I'm on a floor of feature agents and motion picture agents and they're literary and so on. Anyhow, you've got these agents and, and one of them in particular might have 30 odd clients. And these are all successful people. These are all, they may not all be a list, but they're really talented writers and directors who've done some really cool stuff. And outside of like the top five or six or seven, the remaining clientele are kind of getting ignored for weeks at a time by their agent. 
because they're not A-list or not, they're not making the big movie, you know, that month or that year or what have you. And so these are really successful people. Some of them have had films released theatrically a few times over, or they've won some huge festivals and they're still like, I need a job. Like I haven't worked in like a year and a half or three years. Like, you know, I need, I need to work. (laughs) I need to pitch my script. I'm writing something new. Like let's get something going. Um, I had learned early on that, um, you know, the, the scrap, the fight never ends. Even for people who've quote unquote made it in town, you know, you're kind of having to work from one project to the next for the rest of your life. Unless you're like Spielberg or like the Brad Pitts or these guys yeah. who are just, they're talented and they're also blessed to have the ability to never really have to sweat it. That they're just offered projects for decades, you know, for, you know, you know, God knows how many decades, a lot of people out in this town, really talented people are just, you know, they just are jumping from one project to the next and it might be years between projects. Makes me think of the guy you mentioned from Cool World. I'm sure he's like, hey, I'm still... Oh, yeah. He was telling me like, all these scripts that he had. Like the ideas, he was like, give me like a taste of some of them. They were so cool. He's like, yeah, just got to find the right, uh, the right person. I guess that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and he's been around long enough to know the most people that come out to, you know, in this case, we'll say Los Angeles, but New York would be the same. Anyone who comes out into this industry, you know, and, and, and has what it takes to make a career out of it, a lifelong career out of it, they know. I mean, it takes everything you hear about in, in books and in interviews. It takes persistence, patience, hard work, sacrifice, and so on, because it can take a long time to get a film made, especially at the studio level. I mean, sometimes those films can sit in development for years, you know, finding the right director and so on and so forth can take forever and financing can collapse at the last minute. And, and there's so many filmmakers and writers out there that can be really difficult to stand out. Even if you're a guy who wrote cool world, oh, cool yeah. world which stars Brad Pitt and, and he wrote, Poltergeist, he's like Poltergeist. My God, the guy should be working for the rest of his life, no problem. Right? That's what yeah. I think. So, I don't know. It's it's it's, it's an interesting um, it's an interesting uh, thing to to see out here because I know a lot of guys like that. So, and, and I'm one of them. I'm out there just you know you put you're you're putting in the effort and you're and you're putting a fight in uh, every day, just like any other job. One movie that I because again, thanks for taking the time. I don't want to take too much, but one movie that looks really cool and again, like you said. It might or may not, but uh, Echoes in the Wind. That seems like that'd be a pretty wild movie. Oh, yeah. That one, I have my fingers crossed because uh, it's a really wild horror picture and, and like an adventure film. It's up in the foothills of the Himalayas, and it's a pretty cool story. And I had come in originally to uh, be a director on it. And uh, as time progressed, I eventually became a co-writer. I came in there and did a page one, what's called a page one rewrite, which means I took just the seeds of their story that the original draft I read, and I did a pretty major uh, draft of my own on kind of on top of it and made some altercations and kind of beefed it up a little bit. And it's a really cool story and it's very ambitious, but uh, based on what it is, I mean, these guys are fighting Yetis and they're up in these snowy hills. It's also expensive. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's to me, it would have to almost have to be a studio picture. So, and that's an interesting one because it's not my script. I don't own the idea. 
Um, I'm very used to being very proactive and going out there, pitching my scripts to my contacts and setting up these meetings and really trying to get it out there. And I can't do that with this one because it's, it's owned by someone else. And the people that own it, good, hardworking people, but they've had it for like five years. Uh, okay. It, you know, it's kind of one of those. So I, I you know, what are you going to do? I sit there with my fingers crossed and hope that they can kind of, you know, make something of it and we'll see where it goes and, and whatever. But, you know, I certainly hope so. It, it, it's, it's a, it's a fun one, a bloody fun one, but a fun one. Yeah. And that'd be just cool to be able to, I don't know if they would shoot it at the Himalayas depending on the budget, but uh. <laughs> yeah, well, that was the idea and that's what they're still trying to do. And they're having meetings all the time. Okay. Uh, even, even talking about international, you know, co-productions with China or with India or whatever, because they have a lot of contacts over there and that's where they've done a lot of their, a lot of their work. So the idea was to shoot it in, but in, uh, I don't know how to pronounce it perfectly. I think it's Bhutan, but it's a region, uh, in, in India that's right there at the base of the Himalayas. So they want to go over there and shoot it over there for real. Now we wouldn't need to go, you know, deep into the Himalayas. We just need to go into the foothills, but still they want to shoot it on location. And um, I saw the original business proposal with the original budget number. And I said, it's going to be a lot more expensive than that. That's <laughs> <laughs> so, not just telling you right now. Especially you know, if you they, wanted they to look good. It. Yeah. Well, I mean, some things you can't just cheat well. They're like, and, and the original planned budget was, I kind of want to say like 2 million or something. And I was like, it's just never going to happen. <laughs> take, take that bad, like, so like two, you know, two or three zeros to the end of it. We'll see where we go. Um, but well, you know, but, but that's a lot of projects, you know, you, you, um, some projects you have more control over the destiny of that project than you do others. And that just happens to be one. I, there's, you know, my hands are kind of tied. I, I sit back and I hope for the best and we'll see what happens. And in the meantime, I go off and I write a couple more features or I go off and direct another project and, and circle back to it every now and again and, and see if the status has changed. That's and awesome. that's just how it goes. Well, that's what you have to do. Like you mentioned, like, I'm sure there's some writers out there that maybe just have like, Oh, I got this one script, this one script that I'm just waiting on. And they're just waiting and waiting. At least you're being ambitious and doing developing new ideas. So you can have more irons in the fire. So if somebody likes it, then you yeah. continue. Yeah, and everyone has their own strategy and their own work style, and some people are very patient and really commit to that one script, and, and there's nothing wrong with that, but from my experience, the way I've done it, I just I just don't have that kind of patience. But yeah. if, that, if it's going to be something I have to sit and watch for six months or 12 months or, in this case, four or five years, um, you can bet your ass. Like, I'm going to be out there working on other projects. So, I mean, okay. you got to go out there and just keep – keep things moving forward. I mean, in this business, like if you're not moving forward, you're going backwards. It's one of those scenarios. So I'm always pushing forward, working on other projects and, you know, some of them will come to fruition and many of them won't. And that's the, the nature of the beast. But, you know, it, it, in a weird way, that's also part of the allure. It's a really tough business to get these films financed, but the difficulty of it is also part of the allure because not everyone can do what filmmakers do, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's part of the allure of, 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 of this business is, is, is being able to survive and thrive in it. You know what I mean? So, you know, I, I, as always, I, I, uh, I'm pushing hard to get new projects up and running and, um, you know, we'll see what the next few years has in store for me. Hopefully very busy. 
Yeah, no, you know, just think, uh, just think how amazing the process is. Like you're when you grow up in, and I said you started in Texas and New Hampshire. I see the picture with you and Skeet Ulrich, and you're wearing a, a Red Sox hat. Yeah, yeah, and that hat gets more comments. I'm a Yankee I'm fan sure so every I just day. Saw that, I'm like, you know, whatever. <laughs> it's every day, and 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 uh, you know, I, a lot of them are asking about the team. Of course, huh? did you see him play last night or whatever? And I'm like, no, <laughs> I wear it because I grew up in a small town in, uh, called Amherst in New Hampshire. And we just had a regional team. We didn't have a New Hampshire team. So the Red Sox were our team. So the hat to me is, you know, kind of a throwback to where I grew up. It was more of a New England thing than a Red Sox thing. So I've, I've, I get asked about it so much and the, the story is so tiresome and they're never interested in hearing it. But I, these days I just kind of nod my head and go, yeah, they had a great game last night. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A tough loss, you know, whatever, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, this has been awesome, and uh, I wish you the best, and I'll keep tabs on you, and uh, hopefully sure. we can chat again when you get you know the next feature done. But I, I think it's so fascinating. Just the whole process is like you thought of an idea, and even though it's not like the exact one that you want in the feature world, but you thought of an idea, you put it on paper, and then it's like on the big screen with you know big actors and. It's pretty amazing oh, yeah. when you think about it, right? Yeah. I mean, if you can ever, and that was my dream as a kid, if you can, you know, be the creator, if you will, put it on, put it on paper, as you say, and, and manage to get it financed and see it, you know, see it released theatrically. That's pretty, I was, that was pretty validating for me, you know, and, and, and you know, escape room to me is, is a starting point. It's, it's a step along a very long staircase. And I hope to, you know, continue stepping up and see more bigger and more ambitious films, um, you know, on the big screen sometime soon here. And, you know, whether or not it happens, you know, we'll see what the film gods have in store for me, but but, but that's the idea, right? That's part of the adventure. Definitely. And thanks again. One, one last thing, if you weren't doing this, cause I know you want to do this from a kid, was there any other career that you think you'd be doing right now? Well, I will say this, there's no other career I'd want to do. Oh, I'm sure. I've just, you know, uh, in terms of what I could do, I guess I can do anything. <laughs> I, I, obviously, I wouldn't be able to just walk in, you know, and, and join NASA or something, but I would do something. I don't know. There's a lot of things you can do out there yeah. and, 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 and make a living. But, you know, I, I don't plan on exploring that too deeply. Good. You know, <laughs> so don't we'll, we'll don't even think about that. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, Peter. Thanks so much for taking the time. All right, sir. I appreciate it. All right. Good luck. Bye. All right. So that was Peter Dukes. Talk about a great guy, man. So humble. And I could see him doing big things. Who am I to say that? But he just seems really down to earth. So I'm definitely rooting for him. So I'm going to put all of the links to all his stuff in the notes. And don't forget to review, rate, share our podcast. Follow us on all social media at sequels only. Good night. <laughs>